your boy DM3, and you're listening to Pandemonium with Mike Lindsley on the Buffalo Bills, exclusively on the Built to Buffalo Podcast Network. The Pandemonium Podcast, back with you on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Bills Mafia, so happy to chat with one of the best in the business. He is a reporter, host, and analyst on CBS Sports, covers the NFL, at Evan Washburn on Twitter. Evan, amazing to have you aboard. How you been? I'm doing well, Mike. Uh, Enjoying some downtime, but always uh, ready to talk some ball. Yeah, and you know, the way the schedule is and everything, and I'm in upstate New York, and uh, you know all about Northeast winters and all that. We want to sit back and enjoy the summer and get some sunshine, get on the boats, go golf, you know, have picnics, enjoy our families and all that. But honestly, if you're a diehard football fan, how can you not get just so pumped up for September right out of the shoot, the Buffalo Bills and the LA Rams? What a matchup. Yeah, I mean, after seeing the draft and, and all the energy around that event and then the schedule release becoming a new uh, kind of must-see television event and then all that comes with it uh you, you do kind of wish that the, the season was closer around the corner than it is but having done this as, as you for a number of years uh late july early august training camp will be here before we know it and that kind of satisfies us a little bit and we talk about silly things like who's going to be the third inside linebacker who's going to make <laughs> the final 53 yeah uh that kind of satiates our appetite until uh week one uh, after labor day is there a hole on the Buffalo roster? Is is there an area of concern anywhere for the Bills? You know, Bills Mafia and Josh Allen basically are saying, hey, it's Super Bowl, let's go. Super Bowl or bust, many people are feeling that way. Allen, I don't know if you caught, you know, the Micah Hyde softball charity event in, in, in Western New York at the Bisons Park, but he won the MVP, hit a, a ball out, hit a home run, and he said, oh, this is just basically my placeholder until February with what we do. So I'm like, oh, boy, there's some more pressure added to it. But these guys know what's at stake. Is the roster complete? Are there any holes? Is there any worry for you with the Buffalo Bills as they head into a season that is really the most hyped in history? I can't think of one, Mike, on, on the, the 53 or the 2D, if you will. I mean, I'd be curious. I know Bob Miller... Uh, was uh, a big-time signing, and I'm a believer that he still has plenty of game left, but that pass rush is still going to be under the microscope until it's proven. And Vaughn, in a new environment, new division, how he matches up, how he does, can he really ignite what was an improved pass rush but still not one that I think struck fear in the, in the eyes of, uh, of opponents. And then I think my attention is just going to be more on the on the sideline and with Ken Dorsey taking over at that OC position, he's been working hand in hand with Josh Allen um, over the last few years, and a big part of what they built with that offense. But um, when you lose uh, the talent they had at uh, that play caller position, uh, Ken kind of steps into some pretty big shoes. So how he handles that uh, will, will be top of line uh, for me as you start to kind of forecast out their their season. You're still doing some sideline stuff you know, TV broadcast locally for the Ravens too, right? For preseason? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll okay. be on their preseason games and then I do a couple things uh, like hosting in-house for them uh, over the course of the year as well. Okay, so the Bills are in Baltimore this year. I mean, that's a big game. You know, Lamar and, and the Ravens kind of trying to get back to maybe the upper echelon, the elite of the AFC. Uh, you, you, you pegged that there. Man, the Bills schedule is unbelievably uh, difficult. Um, where, where do you kind of, as you power rank through 
There's so many great teams in the AFC. Bills, Ravens, Chargers, Chiefs. What's your ladder look like with all those clubs? And then obviously everybody else. You got the Raiders. They add Devontae Adams. And, you know, you got the, the Chargers ready to ready to strike as well. Uh, where, where do you have all these teams if you had to list them? I mean, I, I, honestly, Mike, I haven't spent too much time on that right now just because I think it, it's a bit of a fool's errand. Um, I think it's fun. I appreciate those that do it and, and, and give us that content uh, that we can – sort of digest but i think until you see how they make it through really you know as we start up here in a couple of weeks whether it's the mandatory mini camp some of the otas really that to me is who get through that healthy you don't want any of those non-contact injuries then as training camp unfolds how teams put the finishing touches on their rosters and then at again with the idea of health who makes it through because you mentioned the ravens i mean that's when their nightmare of a season really started losing J.K. Dobbins, the guy that was so important to their run game during the preseason was kind of a forecaster of, ooh, this could be maybe a, a year from hell type of situation. And then and that unfolded. Now they started off strong and then injuries picked up. So, look, I, I see Buffalo and Kansas City at the top of most lists. Uh, I think that the AFC West is as deep and as talented a division as I can remember um, in my now around 10 years doing this. And I'm sure those that have done it longer may even have it uh, higher on that list. And then you mentioned a team like the Chargers. I, I think they have all the talent in the world and they've done an unbelievable job infusing it. But in, I'm a believer until you do it and prove it that you can kind of make all those pieces work and, and make some hay in the postseason, I'll, I'll be in wait and see mode. And then the AFC North, I think is as uh, intriguing and as big the question mark as there is because of a team like Baltimore coming off all those injuries when whole seemed to be one of the best in the AFC. And then uh, whether Cleveland's going to have Deshaun Watson under center the whole year, how that looks. So to me, it's too early to, to really stack or put teams on a ladder, but I do feel comfortable saying that I think Buffalo, Kansas city, some of the known commodities that are re-racking this thing are going to be right there in the mix uh, down the stretch again. If you had to describe Josh Allen on the football field when you watch him to an outsider, somebody who had never seen him before but knew the game of football, what would you say? The word that comes to mind uh, is dangerous. And and it's it's funny because I I think about it as he's grown as a pro, uh, that danger sometimes – included himself and and the danger that he would inflict on on the offense with some of the decisions and trying to make that that extra play or put that ball into such a tight window um i I was on the sideline for that game against new england where he got you know whether it was concussion i mean he was knocked out of the game because he he lined up a guy and, and that guy you know dropped his head as well so i think a danger but now it's you know for the joy of football fans especially in central new york and western new york it's the danger that he inflicts on you and it, it can happen at any moment and the fear that comes with facing somebody that's that dangerous you can have them bottled up for whatever it is over the course of a drive or maybe two three quarters and then boom um three plays and it's a touchdown so i, I think if, if you were to sort of try to simplify what's not a simple position by any means i, I just think of that constant threat that constant danger that he can inflict on the opponent you know, I, I didn't realize this un- until I looked. I knew you were a young a young guy. Um, I didn't realize you were still, 
I, I, you, well, still, I mean, you're, you're, you're so young. Um, you, you've been in the business. <laughs> you really are, though, and, and you've been in, in it for almost, I guess, a decade. If you include college over that, I understand. But you're, you're a spring chicken. You are so much younger than I am. I mean, I'm 42. I think you're, what, 31, 32-ish? So this is, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, I, I can't change it, but Wikipedia is wrong. I'm 37, so I still consider myself young. Okay. I don't know where they got that birthday. I, 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 I was going to say, I no, I've seen it. I haven't seen it just on Wikipedia. I've seen it a, a bunch of places. Well, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure it's one of those where people grab. Um, That's still pretty young, too. though. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, uh, a guy who uses Wikipedia all the time, uh, just to sort of lay a baseline. But, yes, I, I, I've managed um, to, uh, to, to move along in this business uh, at a relatively young age, maybe not 31 or 32, but, yeah, yeah 37, so extremely fortunate. Yeah, still pretty, still pretty young. There's no question. And um, as you've moved through, uh, you've had a lot of experiences. I mean, now you're you're covering the the biggest thing in our country. Our, we can't consume enough football. You just mentioned the craziness of the of 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 the, <laughs> the schedule release. The draft is bananas now. The entire off season, OTAs, training camp, uh, pre everything is just so huge. And football is just going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and in Buffalo, it is the biggest thing. Bills Mafia, as you know, is one of the best fan bases, if not the best, in all the NFL and in pro sports for my money. How, how when you go to Buffalo and cover games, can you tell the built-in Buffalo listeners what your experience is like in the city of Buffalo with the fans at the stadium? You know, take my, take my listeners, take our listeners through your experience with Bills Mafia. Well... I'd say this, Mike, and, and I'm probably not saying anything that you guys don't already know because you're the reason that it exists, but there's very few places when you visit all 32 teams where you truly feel like on those game days, when you when you drive on to the, the parking lot or, or walk through the tunnel and onto the field, where you truly feel transported to a different world. Mm-hmm. And take that for what you will. There's the extremes of of just the, the energy and then some of the uh, eclectic nature that, that uh, fan bases can provide. And I think that Buffalo, in my opinion, has has risen to the highest of ranks in, in that regard. I mean, I don't think it stands alone because there's places like Green Bay that do it as well. You're almost, it's as if you're going into an amusement park and getting on a ride. And, and for that period of time, for us, you know, you're in the stadium when it's really, you know, lathered up for those three hours of the game where you you kind of leave reality and you enter uh what i would best describe as you know kind of a dream world of of combat competition entertainment tension all those things and i've never i never understood how important the fans were to that experience until obviously we lost it during the COVID year Mm -hmm. and I did games in Buffalo where there were zero fans. I did the game where there was 1,200 for the playoff win over the Colts. And then we had our crew had week one against Pittsburgh last year. And I've never had a feeling, and this goes back to playing college sports at a pretty high level in front of 70,000 fans at a Final Four as a college lacrosse player. I've never had a moment that was as powerful as that kickoff because it was the return of everything, but then it was also now the appreciation of what they provide. So hopefully that gives you a sense of, of how at least I can consume the environment. It, it feels like I'm, I'm leaving 
<laughs> the common world and entering um, a dreamland of football. And then the, the last point I would make too, it was fun. I was actually there for the NCAA tournament this year. That was my first round and second round assignment was working the games in Buffalo. Yep. And it was, it was really cool having done so many Bills games over the last few years to now have, there's no better, I would say, sort of educated fans to, to know us, the announcers, and they're yelling to me about Bill's stuff, and we're <laughs> catching up in the, in the lobby about it. So it's just, it's it's a place that uh, kind of, as you well know, and everybody listening knows, lives and breathes it um, to a depth that is uh, unique among all the other fan bases. There's no doubt. A couple more for Evan Washburn, NFL on CBS, a reporter, host, and analyst CBS Sports, at Evan Washburn on Twitter. You know, uh, you obviously wear a lot of hats in the business. Um, you're one of the most talented people out there. You're, you're unbelievable at all the roles. Um, and you know, these days you, you kind of have to be that way. I mean, you, you look at even a show like PTI, it started with two guys who were originally just newspaper writers, you know, newspaper columnists in Wilbon and Kornheiser. Now you fast forward and Tony's a writer. He's a podcast guy. He's a TV guy. Uh, you've got a lot of roles. Tons of people have different, you know, multiple roles across the board. Uh, our our multimedia world obviously has created more of that. It might not create more jobs. It might make it harder, but it's still created more roles, right? Did you have a a role? Did you have a job that you wanted, you know, to 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 have when you were studying journalism in college? Did you say I want to be a host, or I want to be a reporter, or, I want to be a writer, or I want? Did you have something? that you were looking at right out of the shoot, I want to be that, and then it developed into everything else? The truth is, Mike, I, I didn't, I always sort of describe what I wanted to do after college as just a way to appease people who asked. And I would say, oh, I think I'd like to be a sportscaster because I love sports and I appreciated the opportunity to, you know, maybe be a guy on TV one day talking about it. But I mentioned briefly there, I mean, I, I was – a college lacrosse player at the University of Delaware, and that was pretty much 95% of my focus, and the other 5% was on having a good time. Uh, I was not a, a, a very engaged student. Uh, that's a regret of mine. I didn't necessarily take advantage of as many opportunities as uh, I see now so many young people do, and I'm so impressed by when it comes to getting into our business. Uh, but I did have a pretty intense work ethic that once the athlete in me was no longer part of the day-to-day, I just transferred into chasing this thing down. And I would say uh, it's it's helped me sort of get to this spot in a somewhat unconventional way where I didn't necessarily have the entry-level position at a small market TV station. I kind of used different uh, avenues to try and create uh, – relationships, reps, which as you know in this business is so important, and then limited opportunities led to the next limited opportunity, and eventually um, there was enough of a, of a buy-in to kind of give me a, a more large-scale opportunity. So it, it, it's it's one of those things where I could I could go on for, for you know, 30 to 45, if not longer, talking about the, the road here, but mine wasn't one where I was the kid that would turn off the room, the volume and try and call the game themselves. I never necessarily had like a dream job in mind. I think my, I still kind of keep this as a, 
mentality to this day. There's things I want to do in this business that I haven't done that maybe I'll get to do at some point. But I very much just uh, thought that if you just embrace whatever opportunity you have, attack it, make the most of it, um, for better or worse, usually, you know, the, the business will take you in the correct direction. Do you believe in Super Bowl windows? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the rosters find themselves in situations where there's there's a shelf life for a roster, and largely it, it can be based off of the salary cap and, and some of the, the just realities that forces teams to, to live with. Um, where those, I mean, but it, the window is probably a great term because it's there's different sizes. I mean, we're talking massive. Uh, floor-to-ceiling glass windows and some cool high-rise that you can open or those sweet ones that you now see where they kind of they unfold or fold up like an accordion. I mean, those are large windows. So I would say some teams, i.e. New England, had a pretty large window there because they had uh, Tom Brady, a quarterback, and Bill Belichick as the, the general of it all and the decision maker. So that window is different than, let's say, maybe the Rams window. That could, that could be small just based off of the way that they've attacked it. So I do believe that there's windows, but like anything else, it, it requires um, – they're not all cut the same way, if that makes sense. Sure does. Final thing for you, um, what do you think, Evan, is the, the, the greatest quality that Sean McDermott has – as head coach of the Bills, and what do you think the greatest quality is that Brandon Bean has as general manager of the Bills? Well, I'd start with just combining the two, and and that's as great a strength as you can have as an organization, just what appears to be both publicly and then through what the rosters looks like, but also when you spend time with them, just how in lockstep they are and how much there there's a built-in trust and belief that we're going to do this together no no one has more power whether it's deciding on the 53 or uh you know when it comes to the management of the organization and, and the roster specifically but to get on the individual side of things i think what i've really appreciated about uh sean and i'm sure is the case from his players because they've mentioned it as well is there, there's no ambiguity. There's no gray. It's 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 pretty clear cut the what the message is and what's necessary, and that can be as granular as what they need to do in a practice to feel like they walked away from a successful practice, or what they need to do in a game, or when you go to the macro and what are the things that are going to define the culture of this team. And the buy-in to me is is not something that can be fake. It, it can't be. It, it, it has to it has to be sort of really realized from the players, and you feel that, and you see that with the way that they've stuck together and, and the, the kind of again, culture they've built. I mean, that's been on display, and what I know in, in your area has been a really trying time the last few days. So I think that that's to me what stands out, outside of the fact he's a great defensive coach and what he and Leslie Frazier have done to build a defense that is as um, as consistent and effective as any in the league. There's the football side of it, but really the, the, the single-minded nature and his ability to make things pretty transparent and obvious for his players uh, has to be a luxury. And then I think Brandon Bean, haven't spent as much time with him uh, just because of the nature of the position, but I, there have been a few conversations and, and then obviously hearing from others just, 
I mean, just an incredible football mind, and not just on the scouting front, but kind of it, to me, it's the it's the seeing. What is so challenging at that position at general manager is you need to satisfy your head coach and your your team with making them as good as they can be this season, but then always having the future in mind, always thinking three to five to maybe even ten years down the road. And so whether it was with Josh Allen's contract or some of the ways that they when they first came in, kind of changed the roster around. I've been really impressed with that, the ability to marry two very different things, the short short view and the long view. And uh, he seems to have a a pretty good uh, handle on that. So it's a a hell of a combo um, and also just seem to be two really good good guys, which um, for me at the end of the day is is, as important as anything. You keeping my guy Adam Shine in line or what? That's a that's a full time maybe job that requires some overtime. Uh, I love me some Adam Shine. He's been such a uh, helpful sort of resource for me along the way. I get to fill in whenever he takes vacation. It does take two of us to to host his show, Time to Shine. Uh, but he uh, he's he's been really gracious with letting me get a lot of reps in there. And uh, no one can do what Adam does. I think. I mean, his stamina and his passion for sports to me is pretty much singular uh, in this business. And that's saying a lot because there's a lot of passionate, uh, wild uh, fans that have opinions. But he seems to bring it uh, day in and day out. And uh, it's impressive. No, I, I, I love me some Adam Shine. Well, I think my I guy. told my guy. My guy. How's my, my, my guy? guy. Hey, 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 intern Bonnie, go get me a Diet Coke. You know, he used to he used to do that all the time when I interned. I think I told you I interned oh, for him. Yeah, I in- right. if you had, I forgot. I yep. Yep. Yeah, I interned. Oh, yeah, cool. I interned for him at Sports Radio six twenty WHE on back when it was the Sports Monster, and it carried Crunch Hockey, Yankees baseball. It was a, I mean, just a powerhouse. You could drive to Albany from Syracuse and still get it, you know, as you parked your car in downtown Albany, which my dad and I did in two thousand two, going to one of the games in the NCAA tournament during the run with Carmelo, and uh, I interned with 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 Adam. Um, in the summer of 2000, and uh, I, you know, I, I was intern Bonnie because I went to St. Bonaventure, and, and he had a blast with that. And callers thought, you know, men thought that I was a, a girl, <laughs> and you know, they're like, uh, "Hey, uh, put in a good word for me with intern Bonnie." He goes, "Trust me, you don't think intern Bonnie isn't who you think he, you know, who, who you think you know is." It's 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 he's he's a he's a skinny, just regular looking, just eh, guy. you know, he just had so much fun with it on the air, you know. Oh, that's hilarious! Yeah, no, the thing—the thing that strikes me about Adam is that he—he he has strong opinions, but you never feel like there's an—it's it, being in attack mode, yes. even if they are, yep. even in the moments where they—they—they they, uh, they lean negative. There's just something that's that's kind of wholesome about it. So, uh, yeah, that that, was, that must have been an awesome opportunity. Yeah, it was. I still got to get him on one of my shows. He still has yet to come on with me, so I've got to. Uh, all right. Well, you can you can lobby uh, and say that that I've been on, and um, that he if he wants to if he wants to hold the crown as the, the best <laughs> guest from CBS, um, then he's got to he's got to get on the mic. Yeah. Well, but but if you if you help me get him on, I'll have to pay you overtime, right? In order to keep, in order to keep him in line. This was amazing. Yeah. This this was this was really great. I knew it would be Evan Washburn on Twitter at Evan Washburn, reporter, host, and analyst. CBS Sports covering the NFL all over the Buffalo Bills as well. Evan, be well. Thank you again. Continued success, and I can't wait to listen and watch you here this fall, man. Yeah, we'll see everybody uh, in a few short months. I know our crew will uh, probably be 
probably have a bunch of Bills games and we can't wait. So enjoy the offseason and thanks for having me. All right, that was amazing. I just wanted to close with some thoughts on, you know, the Bills rookie mini camp and, you know, the last obviously several days with just what's come out of, of Orchard Park and, you know, what um, people have seen. Obviously, it's hard to kind of just read uh, and not, you know, be there. You can watch videos and all that, but being there is really is really it in sports. I've always believed that. But uh, just a couple of quick things here. Um, I, I find it very interesting that Khalil Shakir and Kyrie Elam trained together down in Fort Lauderdale uh, at the XPE Sports and Preparation for the NFL Draft. I didn't know that until I read Matt Perino's article on New York Upstate. And it's now a case where they are teammates with the Buffalo Bills and went head-to-head -head against each other. And what I think is great about these players the Bills have is that, again, I know that they're not playing against competition yet. There's not full tackling. There's not full hitting. Uh, uh, you know, they're not going up against, you know, Devontae Adams here yet, you know, although the Bills don't play the Raiders, but you get the point, right? Uh, not going up against Tyreek Hill yet, not going up against Travis Kelsey yet, um, you know, not going up against other teams and opposition uh, and all the rest. But what you see with the picks the Bills have is they are instantly doing great things. You can see the immediate impact potential with these guys. And that's what you want if you are a team like Tampa, like the Bills, like the Chiefs, you know, teams that are already Super Bowl made, Super Bowl ready, right? The Super Bowl run is in the roster. It's a complete roster A to Z. But you go out and draft, and you might have, in the Bills' case, you know, a hole to fill at corner. Well, they did that, right? You want to find some depth pieces. You want to find some versatility. You go get a punter, a matter of reason. Like, all these players, they James Cook for the running back room, who's a little bit more of a dynamic player than Singletary and certainly a heck of a lot more than Moss, you know, it's just a guy they bring in, not necessarily like a really, really big need. Oh, we have to have another running back. But you, you have to have a running back with more explosion. There's just that extra, mm, we could use this player that we already have a few, you know, of that position on the roster, but he brings this element. So there's a little bit of this added to it, this layer with that player. Kyrie Elam obviously checked a lot of boxes. They needed a corner, right? So it was a need. He was a want, best player on the board. They had looked at him for a long time. Khalil Shakir, I, I think they stole him, right, um, later on in the draft out of Boise State. Those two guys go head-to-head -head against each other in rookie minicamps. I think that's a really, really great thing. Uh, obviously, a lot of eyeballs were pointed in that direction. And according to Matt, you know, one particular play during an 11-on-11, um, Braylon Smith, the, the trial quarterback, rolled, I guess, to his right and eyed, you know, down the matchup. And uh, I guess Shakir kind of turned on the Jets like wicked fast and found himself locked up right there with Elam, uh, who could not, you know, who, who could not just back down from it. And they were tied up the entire route, and Smith eventually was forced to scramble to his right as a Shakir couldn't separate. So, um, you know, that <laughs> Shakir's fast as all, all hell, and, and uh, he's got some hot wheels on him, and uh, Elam locks him down. And um, it's just those little things I think early shows you uh, the commitment there. And Shakir was quoted in the media, you know, saying that he loves, um, 
you know, Shakir loves Kyrie Elam. He, he, he said that his work ethic is second to none. And, um, you know, and, and even Shakir looked good, uh, you know, running routes and he was active like crazy. Um, so that was a good thing to see. James Cook has a burst that you can already see. And again, Georgia's defense was one of the best in college football history. It might have been the best single season defense in history. And, and they got a lot of the accolades, right? I mean, there's no question, um, you know, from Jordan Davis to, to, um, you know, to Trayvon Walker and everybody in between, like they, they got all the accolades for great reason, but there were some pretty darn good players on the offensive side as well. And, and James Cook is one of those guys. Um, he just does such an awesome job. He has great soft hands, first of all, and he just, those angle routes that you see him run and his ability to get out of the backfield and have that instinct to know the ball will, will, will come in a certain spot and then making people miss and all that. He's got a great, great first step once he gets the football. And he took a lot of, you know, reps during individual passing drills the last few days. And, you know, I, I think he's going to be a really, really good one. Like I said before, it's 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 one thing to just grab a player and say, ah, we'll just add him for depth. But when you add a player who brings a different element to the game that you needed, which the Bills wanted with J.D. McKissick, they looked at last year with Travis Etienne, that's a big thing. So Shakir, Cook, Elam, already great things, um, you know, and, and I think they just, I think here's the other thing, and I'll wrap on this, is that these guys come in and instantly they love Buffalo, you know, they love the culture, you know, they love the players, they love the head coach and general manager, they want to be there. It's not just a destination for free agents, it's a destination for draft picks. And I watched in full just a few days ago, finally, um, I had recorded the NFL draft full show on Good Morning Football, there was so much there with Kyle Brandt, you know, um, and his travel schedule, and obviously announcing, um, you know, the Terrell Bernard pick out of Baylor, the inside linebacker in the third round. Uh, I just had, there was so much to catch up on. My wife has also become a diehard Bills fan, so I wanted her to see some of the segments. She wanted me to save it, and we finally ripped through and watched, you know, all the Bills stuff inside it, and I had seen a lot of the episode outside the Buffalo stuff, but they had Terrell Bernard on, and he just could not stop talking about all the stuff that the Bills have built in 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 Buffalo, you know, um, you know the culture, the attitude, the great players. Um, he can't wait to play with Von Miller. Um, it's just he he's only been there for like a couple you know few weeks, right? But he is already all in on the Bills, and I think that's a huge thing. These players, the second they get to Buffalo. There's an instant welcome. There's an instant culture effect. There's an instant attitude that they pick up on. Um, the teamwork, picking each other up. Sean McDermott, you know, no, no one person in this entire organization is bigger than than anybody else. We're gonna win and lose as a team, you know. And some of those things are cliched, and I understand culture gets overused. But man, it's hard to argue with the model that's being, um, you know, continued and was built in Buffalo by Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. So. Uh, really good stuff there in terms of the rookie minicamps. Awesome stuff from Evan Washburn. I'm Mike Lindsley. This is the Pandemonium Podcast on the Built-In Buffalo Podcast Network. Make sure you download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review 
to the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network and get us on YouTube, get us on Instagram, get us everywhere at our Twitter handle, at Built in Buffalo. It's a Buffalo Bills digital media brand, and it's made by diehard Bills fans for diehard Bills fans. That's the bottom line with us. Seven days a week of content all over the place, both video and audio, so tune in all the time. Make sure you download the shows, and you'll get them delivered right to your smartphone device as well as your YouTube subscription page and all that. You can't miss the Built in Buffalo podcast network on Twitter and elsewhere at Built in Buffalo underscore. I'm Mike Lindsley. Thanks, Bills Mafia. As I always tell you, enjoy the games. (laughs) 